Interesting, interesting. I'm gone for one weekend. I come back and I'm like, now how do you say mass here? This is really, what am I doing? This is crazy. I've got to activate these and the other masses and all kinds of little slip-ups here and there. The image of Jesus holding a little lost lamb. Some of us have seen that painting, or a couple of different paintings. One, Jesus holding a little lamb like this, like we might hold the child in our arms. Another one, Jesus holding a little lamb over the back of his neck with his with the lamb's hind legs here and four legs here. You know, he's found the lost sheep and he's bringing it back. Both of those, even if you don't know who Jesus is and you see those paintings, you go, well, whoever that bearded guy is, he looks like he's a pretty gentle guy. There he is holding a little lamb. He's, he looks like a guy that I, I can trust not to hurt me. All right, so that, that's great. So, but then, of course, we understand that that guy in the drawing of the pictures holding the little lamb, that that's God. That's God. And we also understand that the little lamb is you and me. He's holding each one of us. We each, collectively, are the little lost lamb that left the herd off to go fall off a cliff or get eaten by a predator. And he came and saved us. Forsaking, possibly risking the 99 in search of the one. Now, this is something that's truly fantastic and something that perhaps we Catholics just kind of take for granted about Jesus and about our Christian faith. But we shouldn't, because remember, in Judaism, God is so other that they can't even say his name. In the Old Testament, God's name is I am who am. And they can't say that because God's too special, too big, too other to possibly say his name. So they say Yahweh, which is an acronym for I am who am. The first letter in Hebrew of I am who am, like USA. That kind of thing. God is utterly other. Our job is to follow the checklist so that when I die, I can go to Sheol and not hell. And for Muslims, it's the same kind of dynamic. Allah is utterly other, utterly sovereign and utter, other, and doesn't care if we go to heaven to be with him or not. Truly, it's in Christianity that God reveals his love for us in this powerful image of God becoming one of us and letting us kill him that he might redeem us and save us for eternal life. That's absolutely mind-blowing. So mind-blowing that Satan and the fallen angels couldn't understand who Jesus was until he picked up his cross, and then they got it. The God-man is going to let his creation torture him to death. But it was too late by then. A shepherd's role. When we look at Jesus, we're really grateful that Jesus has stood up and taken ownership of this role of being our good shepherd that he's out to save each one of his flock. Not only to save them from predators, but also to lead them to green pastures where we can be provided for. Begs the question, well, what does a shepherd do? Prevents the flock from being scattered or getting lost. All right, so a flock's just out there, and they've always got their head down eating grass, and then one of them can wander off, who knows, kind of thing. The other is they lead their flock to the pastures. So there's maybe five different pastures that the flock can reach within a half an hour, an hour of the corral. And today we're going to go to that one. And I'm going to lead you to that pasture today. And then, of course, there's protecting the herd from predators, wolves, or thieves that might come and destroy. 
Well, under the right circumstances, it's easy enough to be a shepherd, isn't it? I mean, we just look around the world and we see where probably half of the world's shepherds are children. The job is easy enough for a child to do under the right circumstances. Where you've got this herd of cattle or sheep that keep going back to the same barn every night and they know there's only five pastures out there and the little nine-year-old leads them out and the nine-year-old just kind of plays all day while the cattle are doing their thing and then leads them back, etc. Remember the children at Fatima. And Catherine Emmerich, blessed Aunt Catherine Emmerich, she did that as a little tiny child too. But what if there were predators? What if there were thieves? What if there were men with beards and guns who were coming to take your herd or to take some of them? Then you can't be a little child anymore. You better be a grown adult. You better know what to do to defend this herd that has been put in your charge. Those old westerns of the cowboys riding around on horses and they gather up a posse to go cut off the bad guys in the past kind of thing. Well, half the time, the bad guys were cattle uh, poachers. They would steal a herd of cattle, and they've got to go catch these bad guys who stole their herd of cattle. In that case, the guys on the horseback with the guns and the possums are the shepherds. A very masculine image of being a shepherd. But sometimes that's needed. It truly is. Good shepherds must own the leadership dimension of their role. And this is where you and I come in. The reality is that each one of us are simultaneously a member of a flock. And each one of us, too, in our own turn, have a responsibility somehow to be a shepherd for someone else. A shepherd for our spouse, a shepherd for our children, a shepherd for our grandchildren, a shepherd for our employees at work, a shepherd for our employer at work and our co-workers at work, a shepherd within the church. Oh, it's on the bishops and priests. It's on you too. We all have this role, this kind of dual-dimension role of being simultaneously a good member of the herd or flock and then also a good shepherd that we've got at home too. The problem is it's really hard when the wolves come for the herd or the bad guys ride in with guns and horses and facial hair and gnarly and we're all alone. It's really hard to stand and protect the herd. Our faith formation director, his name is Mark McKenzie. Many of you know him. In his office, above his, behind his desk and above him on the ceiling, he's got written, weak men cause chaos. Weak men cause chaos. That doesn't mean that weak men take guns and shoot up places. No, what that means is like weak men didn't stand up when they needed to. And now the problem got a lot worse. And now finally chaos ensues. So sometimes we can be weak men or women throughout our lives. And it seems like, oh, I got away with it. But we didn't really. Our children and then our grandchildren became a wreck. They lost the faith because, well, we were weak. We didn't insist upon it. We didn't insist upon virtue. We did not stand up to vice and evil and sin. Because, you know, that would have taken all the fun out of it, right? No, all it did was take a little molehill and turn it into a mountain that now is very, very difficult to climb. 
Weak husbands cause chaos. Weak wives cause chaos. Weak dads cause chaos. Weak moms cause chaos. Inevitably. At least in the long run they do. So this is the thing. Is that it's hard to take a stand. And we understand that. We understand that it's hard to take a stand. But we have to unless we're willing to lose members of the flock that have been put in our care. And what that means in this day and age of being a strong husband, wife, father, mother, grandfather, grandmother, employer, employee, member of the church, etc. Is that we must insist on unpopular things. That's what it means. In heaven, in the next life, everything that's popular is good. And there's nothing in heaven that's bad. And there's nothing in heaven that's unpopular. Because we're all in the will of God and everything there is perfect and good and therefore popular. But on earth there's all kinds of unpopular things that we have to do. In other words, we have to stand against what is popular and say, no, that is preying upon my responsibilities. I'll give you an example. Low-hanging fruit. Screens. I spent six hours a day watching TV growing up. Ruined my childhood. I'm shocked. Shocked. Under all circumstances, be shocked that I was priest. Shocked that I made it to college. Shocked. I didn't do any homework from, like, I don't, I don't know. I just, thank you, God. You made me a smart guy because I didn't do any homework. You know, I got my C's and graduated, and I just went off to college and got more C's and whatever. Because of the screens. <clears throat> what more could I have been? All of my siblings, we all had to take piano lessons. There were two of us that were naturally good at it. I was one of them. I was one of them. I remember a rehearsal in the seventh grade. Now it was a piano recital. And it was like I stole the show. I never practiced. I was busy watching TV. I could be back there with Angela just cranking it out. No, I lost it. Because my parents would not stand up to that screen. Why did we even have a TV set? It didn't do us any good. It was utterly destructive. Why? Why? Because they didn't have the strength to stand up, to do something unpopular. And now there's smartphones with pornography, and it's, it's the world's number one addiction, pornography. Probably followed by the number one addiction is probably just screens. Number two is pornography. And then there's the kids on the smartphone all the time without filters. What kind of a shepherd? What kind of a parent does that? That's it's like having a, a, I don't know, some sort of a predator living in the house. You've got, we of all, have got to be shepherds. We're all called in our own ways and our own responsibilities in life to be shepherds. Which is to mean that we've got to take a stand. And if we don't, there's chaos. There's ruin. There's so many things in our life that we have to take a stand against. And say, no, no, I understand sheep. You've got sheep brains and I've got God brain. But I am not going to let you go over there. That's bad. I know it looks really lush and green and wonderful. 
But in that tall grass are predators, and I am not letting you over there. I'm going to stand between you and them. So here's this thing. As we go, okay, I don't want to cause chaos. I know that weak men cause chaos. Weak dads, weak moms, we cause chaos. We need to, we know it's right. And, and if we don't, well, then we need to actually sit down and study and figure out what's right. And then stand on that and do that because there's a responsibility that's been given to us. And we think, but that's so hard. I don't know that I can do it. The men are coming on horseback with guns and they've got facial hair. And I'm all alone with this flock of, with this herd of sheep. I can't, I can't. But we can, and here's why. Because Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. And you can't beat him. Nobody can. He's invincible. Invincible. When we say, well, if I take a stand, man, I'm going to oh, I'm gonna suffer blowback for this and blah, blah, blah. We're standing with Jesus. We're standing with heaven. And there are more angels, the good angels outnumber the bad angels, two to one, and they're allied to infinite power in God. All of heaven has got the good shepherd's back. So be strong. Be brave. Courage is the hardest of the virtues. Cowardice is easy and everywhere. You're the shepherd. We're not just the little sheep, but each one of us in our own way are a shepherd. Own that. Own that those guys love you because you're the shepherd. And own that at times they'll despise you because you took a stand. But you took it for them. And then the chaos that was going to happen didn't. And your children and grandchildren grew up in a much better world than the one we did. Our Lord loves us. He came into the world to save every one of us. But there's a responsibility now that we all have to join him in that great mission of salvation. And we can start by being simple shepherds who are brave and strong in the responsibilities that the Lord has given to us. And we can prevent chaos and we can bring forth order and life.